For the next few minutes, I have the pleasure of speaking with Robert Trachtenberg, whose uh, fashion and celebrity uh, photos have uh, shown up in uh, New York Times Magazine, Vanity Fair, Entertainment Weekly, and a number of other publications. And uh, he uh, is responsible for a very, very interesting, uh, I dare say unique book, which has just been released called When I Knew. And in this book, uh, a number of different people, uh, I think uh, over 100 of them in all, share a a very uh, interesting story, uh, a story which they all have in common in a sense, and yet the way it plays out for each of them is different. Uh, Each of these people is gay, Um, some men, some women, all gay. And for each of them, they share the story of that moment when they knew they were gay. And the range of stories here is actually quite remarkable and range from the uh, hilariously funny to, uh, to the very, very poignant. And um, we're going to be speaking with Robert Trachtenberg about this, uh, this remarkable book and uh, what is behind it. Robert Trachtenberg, we welcome you to the morning show. Thank you for having me. So tell us how you got the idea to do something like this. I got the idea for this from, uh, you spend a lot of time on uh, photo shoots waiting for either an actress or a model to uh, come out of hair and makeup. Literally, sometimes it can be three or four hours. And um, so you have a whole crew and people hanging around, uh, sort of just waiting. And um, people start talking. It's it's sort of the equivalent of uh, a campfire. People start telling stories. And uh, so these stories would start coming out, and I didn't know, uh, you know, what to do with them. I just knew they were funny anecdotes. And then finally, uh, you know, I think it was uh, Andrew Friedman's story about uh, being nine years old and watching the evening news in 1969 with his father and uh, the announcer coming on and saying that Judy Garland had died and Andrew fainted. Uh, I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back, and I thought, well, there's got to be a book here. So uh, I started uh, started doing collecting them in earnest, and uh, we went on from there. Huh. When you uh, went about collecting, first of all, are we talking about all people that you already knew or who maybe crossed your path professionally? No, I, I several of them have crossed my path professionally, but... Uh, the majority of them I actually have never even met. It became uh, a sort of six degrees of separation where I would call people that I knew, and sometimes they would say, you know, I don't have a story um, particularly, but so-and-so has a great story. Uh, Here's their number. Here's their email. And uh, it would go from there. There are some people in this book that are very well-known. but there are a lot of names that, that I happen not to recognize. Um, are all of these people people that are, are to varying degrees famous, or are some of these people rather ordinary people, if you know what I mean? Um, actually, the, the bulk, it, 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 at the very, very beginning of the book, in the table of contents, it has um, the person's name and what they do, their occupation, and uh, the majority of them are not famous, which is actually, um, I have to say, uh, a thing that I am sort of proud of because we did have some more famous people in there, 
And, uh, well, we didn't have them in there. They, they had sent me their stories, and I didn't include them because, quite frankly, their stories weren't that interesting. And I didn't think that just being a celebrity was enough to get you a ticket into the book. Your, your story had to be unique and funny or poignant. And uh, so just being a celebrity was not enough to get you in. Hmm. So. I'm glad you mentioned the table of contents. I've read the book, but somehow I missed the table of contents oh, altogether. Did, now, and, and now I'm looking at it with my own eyes, and you're, you're absolutely right. We do see uh, a, a few people here that uh, are listed as mother <laughs> or yeah. pharmaceutical executive. Yeah. Um, but, we, but we should say, too, that, that re- at a glance at least, the vast majority of people here seem to be involved in one way or another in the entertainment yeah, industry. Yeah, I have to admit. And, you know, somebody did say to me, uh, and in, another uh, interviewer said to me, you know, why isn't there a better cross-section, um, you know, a, a, of, of um, you know, people in terms of uh, what they do for a living? And I said to him, you know, I absolutely uh, reached out to, you know, firemen, uh, doctors, uh, professional athletes, all these people who are out. And they, once again, like the celebrities, they did send me stories. They just weren't very good. And I was really um, concerned that every page mattered, that every page be good. And I didn't think at the end of the day that it mattered if you were a fireman, if you had a boring story, you know, because it didn't, you weren't a fireman when you knew it uh, in most cases. It didn't really, it, it wasn't really... Uh, Remain to the story itself. So I thought it was more important to get really good stories um, than that was the number one goal. I really did find this book very, very interesting and, and, and entertaining and it really got me thinking. Um, it is kind of an interesting question, though, um, that in, in making this choice that you were just talking about of, of devoting the, the, the pages of this book only to interesting stories or entertaining stories, that that also, in in some respects, sort of steers around the reality that maybe in in many cases this moment of of revelation uh, is not accompanied by sunlight bursting through the clouds or dramatic music in the background. That that sometimes this is a moment which at least seems to, for some people, play out in a very ordinary kind of way. Well, uh, that's what was um, so interesting was the range uh, and the variety, as you said before, of, you know, what I call these eureka moments, because it's not, um, the book is sort of jokingly divided up in no, in no particular order in, into when I knew. Uh, it ra- these stories range from uh, when I knew, when my parents knew. Um, you know, that Judy Garland story, for example, is something where uh, Andrew's father, you know, that was a kind of when my parents knew when he fainted. Um, uh, you know, there's even a when the maid knew, and and there's the occasional coming out story, but sprinkled in there. But the thing is, is that it's that eureka moment, that uh, that moment when it sort of all crystallizes for um, for the particular person. It's interesting you should mention the the whole matter of of coming out because. It seems to me that that is something which has been written about and discussed much more extensively than than what most of these stories are about. For whatever reason, that's just something that we haven't devoted very much attention to. 
Well, that's the thing. It's because uh, when I started this, a lot of a lot of the time, um, it was that eureka moment tended to be a one-liner. Um, you know, to use a showbiz expression, it was a uh, you know, it was something like uh, uh, oh god, what's his name? Uh, Howard Bragman, who's in the book. Uh, I knew I was gay when the most exciting part of my bar mitzvah was meeting with the party planner. So, so they were. Um, it started out to be one-liners, and I actually thought it was going to be a book of, you know, one-liners, uh, page-turners. And as it turned out, when I sent out letters asking people for their stories, I said, you know, it can be as short as one sentence or as long as a paragraph. And some people, as, as you see, having the book there, ignored me. And um, I'm really happy they did because they sent in uh, longer, really funny, touching stories that were much more... Uh, complex and diverse, and uh, it really helped flesh out the book and uh, make it much more, uh, have just more range and depth than it would have had it just been a book of one-liners. We're speaking with Robert Trachtenberg. His book is called When I Knew. One of the most poignant moments in in this book is uh, when someone by the name of Tom Gilbert uh, yeah. shares his story. And uh, in the midst of all of them, which are, are really very, very humorous, I think this is uh, a story worth talking about. Uh, tell our listeners uh, about Tom Gilbert's experience. Uh, Tom, in, I guess it was junior high in Florida, he, um, you know, at the end of the year, you have everyone sign your yearbook, uh, which is a, you know, age-old tradition. And, uh, he had um, some kid signed his yearbook along on, on a page where everyone else was signing, and it said, um, you're a nice kid even though you're a fairy. And he, he signed his name. And Tom was so ashamed because he kind of he realized that the kid was right, but no one had ever said it before, and it had been something he had been thinking about in the most... Um, in the most uh, vague way, and this kid kind of crystallized it for him. And but he was really ashamed. And what he ended up doing was he ended up crossing out the kid the word fairy and writing in something I think like goof or something like that. A and nut, ma- I think. Yeah, nut, and making it look like the kid had changed his mind. And he so he altered the kid's inscription. So if his parents saw the yearbook, or he sort of hit it, essentially. And uh, it's a really touching story, because he still has the yearbook, and in fact, we reprinted the page as, as it was. And uh, it, it's just kind of chilling, you know, to just see it right there. Right. Uh, well, and particularly beside some of the other things which are more standard, to a great kid, see you next year, have fun this summer, good luck in 69, Kevin. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. one of four or five such inscriptions which we see reprinted, but then right in the midst of this is this thing from uh, this so-called friend named Philip. Yeah. He also mentions the fact that beside the, the the word fairy, which he crossed out and then wrote above it nut, then off to the side he wrote a little sorry yeah. um, to make it look like yeah, Philip it, had... It's really touching um, that, that, you know, the, the extremes to which... Uh, Back then, you know, and it's so funny also how times have changed. I mean, the stories in the book range from um, 
Arthur Lawrence is in there who wrote <laughs> Arthur Lawrence wrote the script for West Side Story and the movie script for The Way We Were and um, you know a really tremendous uh, uh, respected writer and he's in his 80s and he gave us a story and then you have I don't know I think um, people in their late 20s so uh, the stories span 50 years and it's um, it's uh, really interesting to um, you know to see the range like that what's, what's also cool is that um, like we were saying about Tom Gilbert's uh, yearbook in a lot of cases we have photos of sometimes even the moment um, we have Howard Bragman at his bar mitzvah and a couple other pictures of that the event that they're describing which is really fantastic um, or pictures of these people at the age their story took, takes place so it's really cool to be able to you know get that visual reference right away you have a, a, a another interesting story in here from actor Dan Butler. Now, do I remember correctly? Is he a bulldog on Frasier? Yes. Okay. Bulldog on Frasier. Um, his his is also far from a one liner. I mean, he he really uh, gives some some uh, some meat to, to to his story. I mean, some some context. Uh, he talks about how, as a senior in high school, he had been attracted to boys growing up, especially athletes and dancers. But he said, my friendships with boys were fierce, life and death affairs, but I thought that was natural and that everyone felt the same way I did and that if they didn't, uh, they should. And he goes on to say he went out with girls and, and, and this and that. I mean, here was someone who was feeling all these feelings and yet at that point in time was really, truly, authentically, did not actually know what what these feelings were. It's very interesting to to hear someone talk about that. Well, you know, it uh, it what it comes down to actually is, um, you know, somebody somebody was talking to me about this, and they said, "Well, did you have any goal in mind with the book?" And I said, "Well, just to really to finish it would be great." But um, you know, the thing is, is that I I thought that if it had any kind of um, crossover appeal, meaning that if um, a parent were was curious and they thought maybe their um, son or daughter was gay and they wanted to, you know, help ease that transition for them, or if a child wanted to help ease the transition and tell their parent, that would be very cool too. Because you realize when you read stories like this that it it's not a choice, which is, I don't think any but the angst and anxiety and, you know, drama that you go through, I don't think anybody would choose that. So it really makes you realize that, that being gay is not a choice. It, it, you know, it, nobody uh, signs up for it, you know. Um, so that, that was a really interesting revelation uh, that hopefully will come out of this because with stories like Dan's, um, uh, you know, uh, next to these one-liners. Hmm. So uh, that was kind of cool that that just became a byproduct of, of uh, you know, all the funny stuff. It's interesting, too, how people responded to this invitation. I mean, some, as Dan Butler and Tom Gilbert, really very seriously, and then others really sort of play with the question. Uh, I'm thinking of... For instance, one of the women in the book, Jenny Allard, says, I knew in my 20s 
when I kept waking up with women. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's her way of, of, of answering the question. And there's yeah. cer- certainly others. Artist Chip Kidd has a real humorous thing about knowing from the moment the, his doctor uh, you know, slapped his behind in the delivery room. Yeah. Um, are some of these other stories, uh, is, it, is it possible for us to even know just how authentic and real <laughs> these stories are, or, or uh, are some of these rather elaborately uh, embroidered? And, and as far as you're concerned, is that okay? I think that for the, um, I think that uh, for the, the sort of overall texture of the book, you know, because it's now scattered with these funny stories and, like I said, these one-liners um, versus, uh, you know, Dan Butler and Tom Gilbert and other people. Um, I think it, I've been told it makes for really good reading because you just sort of, you know, ha- have these sort of ups and downs and kind of funny little asides, and then um, and then you get to more meaty stuff. So it kind of makes for a good mix overall. You know, I mean, uh, y- yes, they're definitely one-liners. Uh, they're very, uh, you know, ba-dum-bum, but they're, uh, you know, there's a definitely a grain of truth in all of them. Mm. Uh, yeah. I wonder if you have any concern about the fact that some of these stories very much reinforce some of the stereotypes which are out there about what gay people are like and what they're interested in and, and, and that kind of thing. In, in the same sort of way that, for instance, a, a show that I think entertains a lot of people, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, is that what that's called? Yeah. Um, that for as amusing as that show is and, and sometimes heartwarming or whatever, it also, in effect, reinforces, and it almost seems consciously so, many of the stereotypes of about what, what interests a typical gay man, for instance, um, do you have any concerns about that? Is that a possible drawback you know, here or kind of a hidden negative factor that, that we should talk about? I think that, um, you know, I set out, a, I, I set a couple of uh, rules for myself when I started this. One was um, I wasn't going to include anything that, I really wanted this to be uh, essentially a coffee table book where if you had it out on the coffee table and your mom or dad came by, they could pick it up and not drop it in disgust. So I didn't, no dirty stories, to, to, put, it, to put it in a kind of funny way. Uh, no dirty stories. One, well, then noth- nothing very graphic. Certainly. Nothing very graphic. That's a much more mature way of saying it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, one Judy Garland story and one Barbara Streisand story. I was limiting myself to one, of the, to one each because uh, obviously they're icons in the gay community for some people. Um, I'm saying that in a sort of funny sort of way, but I think that's what you're referring to. You know, I think um, that there is truth in stereotypes. I think people uh, want to be so politically correct that they don't, uh, that they're scared to acknowledge it. I think that um, the charm of this book is that these people can look back on their experience and um, they can look back on their experience and realize what goofballs they were and uh, laugh about it years later. I think that the, the danger would have been in uh, reinforcing uh, negative stereotypes. 
um, I don't think any of the stereotypes mentioned are particularly negative ones. Right. Um, I'm thinking, for instance, of what Scott Miller writes. It's really cute, and it's very brief. I maybe should just read it. Sure. He says, I, I suppose I was a musical prodigy, but... It was my third birthday, and my copy of the soundtrack album of The King and I had broken. Hearing of my heartbreak over the loss, my aunt bought me a new copy. I remember unwrapping it, instantly filled with disappointment. This is the show. I wanted the movie soundtrack. The orchestrations are so much better. And the, yeah. impl- and the implication in Scott Miller's little story there is that only a gay young man could possibly care about something like that or notice something like that. Right. Well, he and and he is actually that he is one of the people that I know, and he is uh, probably first and foremost a true musical prodigy. Uh, even though he's in, a, I mean, into his adult life, he is uh, he is uh, nuts. He is an incredible musical prodigy, and uh, and um, you know, very well versed and all that stuff. And actually, uh, um, you know, uh, well, anyhow, it. Yes, I don't know what this. I don't know the origin of it. I don't know why. It's not for me to say, but and it's not everyone. But you know, they do like a nice uh, Broadway uh, soundtrack every once in a while. I think but, another interesting story, you know, which is a more uh, serious approach to your question, is that of John McPherson. And uh, yeah. this is really, I mean, it speaks directly to what we were just talking about. But here's a young man. Um, who um, had brothers that played uh, baseball and so on, but he himself was was intensely interested in music and and ballet. I mean, he would he would sit and listen to Swan Lake or, or Sleeping Beauty, um, and he tells the story of a former babysitter coming to the door, accompanied by her new husband, uh, who was a naval officer, and just that brief little encounter. Uh, was was uh, you know one of those really painful moments where he realized in just sort of a new way how out of step he was from the more standard ideas of of what it meant to be masculine. Right, you it's it, that moment when you realize you're different from the other kids. Yeah, it's it's um, you know a lot of the time, and you know I think it changes every. Um, year, um, I'm hoping. I mean, I know there it, there's steps back, the backward steps, but um, you talk to people in their 20s now, and um, it gets easier. But well, I think that story takes place uh, in the mid to early 60s or something like that. And uh, yeah, it's 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 that painful moment when you do realize that you know you're different and. Uh, and someone points it out to you. Right. It's kind of okay if you know it and it's your little secret, but when it's sort of uh, laid bare for everyone to see, it's kind of, you know, kind of uh, painful. Right. And speaking of stereotypes, I, I love Larry Weideman's story uh, when he says, my mom told me on the phone that she and dad had just seen the movie Philadelphia, and he knew that it was time uh, to... to to, to tell. Right. He asked her if uh, she was sitting down. She knew right away what I was about to tell her and immediately shouted, oh no, but you watch football. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it kind of works It kind of works both ways, you know. Um, what people's expectations are of, uh, you know, of 
what it is to be a guy. The other interesting thing that came of this was that um, because there's women in the book, and uh, as you mentioned, Jenny Allard and some of the women, and it was really interesting to me how it broke down between men and women because um, the women, you know, the thing is, is that if a girl is a tomboy, she's not going to get as much grief as a, guy, a little boy who's um, possibly not conforming to what society believes uh, you know, a little boy, a little man should be. Um, and it was really interesting because it was difficult to get uh, stories from women. Um, it was a completely different ball of wax. And, uh, and um, so it, it, I was really surprised. Uh, it was a completely different sensibility. Broke down in a, in a completely different way. We've touched on the fact that there, there are some stories here that are um, very poignant uh, and maybe even really uh, verge on the, the the outright painful, of course. Uh, and but but it's probably important for us to also say that this book does not really delve into what is a very sad reality for many people, where where sometimes these moments of, of self-awareness or revelation can also lead to, to, to really terrible things. Um, that, that's not really what this book is about nah, either. This is much uh, lighter. This is uh, much, much lighter. And, I, and, you know, obviously I was aware that, um, that those eureka moments or coming out or things like that could lead to some sad and tragic consequences. I but this wasn't this book. This book was meant to be um, much more lighthearted. And, uh, you know, besides the photos I had mentioned, when there wasn't an appropriate photo, we um, had this really terrific guy, Tom Bactell, who does illustrations every week for Entertainment Weekly and The New Yorker, um, capture the story uh, in, in illustration form. And uh, as you can see, it has a much lighter, um, you know, colorful... Uh, tone, then, uh, yeah, that was for that was for something else. I mean, that's not what I was after here. Right, right. Um, and there are certainly moments here which are very optimistic or hopeful, and 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 one likes to think about this scenario playing out uh, for, for for young people in, in this kind of moment. Um, one of my favorite moments in the book is is the story of Stephen Orr. Yeah. Down in Texas in 1971. Do you want to tell it, or should I just read it? Uh, why don't you just read it? He says, My father was tossing a football with my brothers in the front yard. Seeing me sitting alone on the steps, my mother took my dad aside. Dub, she said, calling my dad by his nickname. I think Steve is feeling a little left out. Why don't you ask him if he'd like to play, too? So my dad uh, walked over. Want to throw the football some, he asked. Uh, I'd, rather, I'd re- really rather go pick flowers, I replied. And we did. My father, a football coach, spent the rest of the afternoon picking flowers with me in a nearby field. Yeah, uh, people love this story because we actually have a photo of Steve picking flowers in that, in that field, which is in- incredible that he had a photo of, of that. The thing is also that, that came about that was really interesting from all this is that, um, you know, a bunch of cases, the people who sent me stories... Their stories um, turned out to relate directly to what they did 
uh, as a profession. Steve, um, we talked about this earlier about the table of contents. Steve is the garden editor at a major magazine. Ah. Um, Howard Bragman, who wanted to meet with the party planner at his bar mitzvah, is um, a publicist here in Hollywood. But he, one of the big things he does is he plans these huge Oscar and Cannes Film Festival related parties. Um, God, there's another terrific um, example of this where the people became what their passion was at that early age. So when you when you talk about um, you know when you talk about uh, stereotypes or something in many cases they they that interest became a vocation fascinating yeah it happened at least five or six <laughs> times i can't remember offhand some of the others but um it's it's really great hmm. yeah i noticed at the end of the the little biography of you that the last three words uh, of your biography are he always knew right and um you know that's what i was sort of mentioning earlier when you asked me how I gathered the stories is what I immediately started doing was uh, you know calling people I knew who I thought were very very funny and um, you know it was my natural first go-around was to get a hold of these people and in a lot of cases like my case they said you know you'd think I'd have a story, wouldn't you? I mean, because obviously these friends of mine are not shy, and they say, you know, I'm funny, I'm witty, I, and they say, I'm smart. But they said, um, you know what? I don't have a story. I always knew. And that was um, the case for me, and um, that's why I don't have a story in the book, and I think that uh, I think that people, um, you know, that, that happens, which is also another reason why you realize it's kind of not a choice. Because I kind of always knew. Hmm. So, there you go. You've touched just a little bit on how the book has been uh, received. By and large, what is your impression of, of, of how people have received this book, both in and out of the uh, gay community? Uh, you know, I would never have imagined the response. It's, it's been, you know, People Magazine said it was, you know, the buzz book have and Newsweek did something on it and um, you know it's going to be uh, the Today Show and Nightline are doing things on it and you know papers all over the country have done stuff and so it's been incredible because uh, I would have never imagined this it's, uh, it, it's had this t- tremendous crossover appeal so far which has been really heartwarming and uh, people just have this real affection for it that I'm, I'm really uh, gratified by I, I, I just think I'm not tooting my own horn because I didn't art direct it and I wasn't the illustrator, but I think it was a, a nice combination of the way it looks uh, in combination with the art and the photos and the way it's all laid out um, and sort of the pacing that we were talking about where it's not there's a nice rhythm to it that people have really been responding to. So I, I've been uh, thrilled. It's been terrific. Have have any concerns been been raised that you can that you can think of, uh, or, or or not really? Um, I mean, people that were uh, in any way offended by it, or or felt like you were making light of something that should be this no. profound moment. No, actually, that that never come up once, and I've I've done a lot of stuff now, radio and TV and um, print. Uh, and that's never come up because I think that they're um, relieved that it's uh, 
kind of lighthearted but respectful. Right. You know? Yeah, a delicate balancing act, it seems to me, and I, I do think you achieve that. And maybe maybe your timing is perhaps impeccable, too, in that uh, maybe a few years ago, maybe many years ago, of course, this book would have not been an impossibility, probably. Right. And, uh, and maybe even a few years ago, uh, it maybe would not have been received as comfortably as, as it is. Right, right. I mean, I think that things like Will and Grace and Queer Eye and all that um, have helped. Uh, absolutely, yeah. But but again, I think it's, um, it's also because it's what we were saying. I mean, I didn't want to include any graphic um, stories. You know, I, I just wanted to just keep the thing light and moving and, and, uh, and fun. And uh, so I think people respond to that. I'm not trying to preach to anyone. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just kind of a fun read. Might there be a sequel? <laughs> there, there might, there actually might and probably will be, but um, it probably will not um, be uh, exclusively gay. It it will be, um, it will expand beyond that. Hmm. So, well, the book we've been talking about is called "When I Knew." It's published by Regan Books. The stories gathered and edited by Robert Trachtenberg. Robert Trachtenberg, uh, it was a great pleasure to speak with you today on Thank the morning you. show. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much.